Hello everyone, welcome to our online service at Christchurch Hillbro. My name is Godfrey and I'm the minister at Christchurch Hillbro. Uh, it's wonderful to be together even in the midst of a pandemic where we are meeting online only. Uh, but God's word reminds us from Psalm 118 that this day is the Lord's day. The day when we are meeting for the uh, 19th time online only. It is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Luke 1 tells us and says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior in Jesus Christ. And here is a reminder, friends, of why we are gathered together. Uh, we have come here to take part in the worship of God, to confess our sins to him and to ask for his forgiveness. To thank Him for making us and protecting us. To praise Him for His love and mercy. To hear from His Holy Word. And to pray for our needs and the needs of others. But first, let us confess our sins together with a prayer that is coming up on the screen. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, we confess that we have sinned against You in our thoughts, words, and deeds, and in what we have left undone. Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins, and help us that we may serve you better and please you more through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please bow as I continue to pray for us. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, does not wish the death of a sinner, but that he should turn from his sin and trust in Christ. God's word declares that he forgives the sins of all who truly repent and believe the gospel. God gave his son Jesus Christ to die that we could be forgiven and have everlasting life through him. Amen.
my name is um, Lunisi Ngomo. Uh, I am one of the young adults at Christ Church Hillbro. Yes, um, I came to the Lord in the uh, year 2015. Uh, it was the 28th of June when I responded in faith to uh, the gospel message. I've been going uh, to church before, but I had not committed myself fully uh, uh, to to put my trust in Christ. And so, um, in the year 2015, I made that choice. So, um, the lockdown, uh, ideally, it has been uh, a challenging uh, time for me. Uh, um, so, being in isolation, being far away from family is not uh, an easy time really but uh, though it has been challenging it has also given me uh, uh, opportunities to grow uh, especially uh, in the Lord so I am one of the lay preachers uh, in the stand firm series that is coming from the uh, book of first Peter and I am grateful church leadership for this opportunity. Um, the book of First Peter, as I've mentioned, that uh, lockdown has been a challenging time. Uh, the book of First Peter uh, uh, has been an encouraging book uh, in two ways. Uh, it has been a book that has made the challenges that have been going through the lockdown make sense because um, it reminds us of the reality that we, we live on earth as exiles and we are not home and so we look forward to a glorious future that God has promised. Uh, on the second end, uh, it has uh, reminded me that irregardless of the challenges that I may be going through, uh, I remain God is chosen and that identity cannot be taken away from by the circumstances of life. And so today we'll, uh, I'll be preaching on, on, on the first part of the first book of Peter, that is from chapter 1, verse 3, to chapter 2, verse 10. In this overview, uh, uh, I pray and, 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 and hope that God will encourage us to know that as believers we, we have a glorious future. And uh, I would uh, uh, love God to uh, challenge us also that uh, uh, in light of that glorious future, we have a responsibility in the present to live in a way that honors God. And so um, after the sermon, uh, let's meet up in our church WhatsApp group so that we may converse about the sermon and uh, you ask questions if you have any and I will try by all means to, 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 to respond. Thank you.
Our scripture reading today is taken from 1 Peter verses, chapter 1 verses 3 to, um, to uh, chapter 2 verses 10. It reads as follows. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfailing, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you, have, you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring that what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that they were now being announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look to. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed um, from the futile ways and inherited from your forefathers, now with imperishable things such as not with imperishable things such as gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spots. He was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but he was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed or of imperishable. So through the living and abiding word for, of God for all flesh is like grass and all the glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that, it, that by it you may grow in the, into salvation. Indeed, if you have tasted, the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, and you and yourselves, like stones, are being built 
up as, as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ for it stands in scripture behold I am laying a stone uh, in Zion a cornerstone chosen and precious and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame so the honor is for you who believe but for those who do not believe the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling a rock of they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of whom who called you out of darkness into, into his marvelous lies. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of God. I believe, uh, okay, I have to start by the introduction. Yeah, breathe and go again. Yeah, um, <clears throat> okay. Greetings, family. Um, I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, my name is Mlungi Singomo, and I will be taking us through the overview of uh, the first part of the uh, uh, book of Peter, that is from chapter 1, verses 3, to chapter 2, verses 10. Um, I believe we live in a society that is well aware of the need to prepare for the future. The future is a high level of influence towards the choices and the decisions that we make in the present. Parents send their children to school with the hope that in the future the child will become independent enough to take care of themselves. So the parents make the choice to send the child to school today, not in the future because there are stages that the child has to go through in the present to get to that future. Let me bring it more home. I am a student. When I have an assignment uh, that is due in a near date, I make it a point to focus my mind on the assignment, setting aside the things that might distract me from fulfilling that role of preparing the assignment that I have. I remember at some point in time, I got a deadline by wrong by a week earlier. And so before, uh, a week before uh, the due date, I was done with the assignment. And at that time, I realized that ah, I am able to prepare for the future, but sometimes I'm not focused enough to make my today worth it towards that future. Today, family, I want to talk about a future that God has for his people. A future that calls for present responsibility. This future has to affect how we live our lives today. It has to affect the choices and the decisions that we make today. And so I want to talk about that future under the subject, Believers have a glorious future. 
to which they are called to set their hope in by living in a God-honoring way in the present. I will repeat it. Believers have a glorious future to which they are called to set their hope in by living in a God-honoring way in the present. This sermon is going to answer three questions. These questions are as follows. Question one, what is this future that believers have? And the answer for this question, we are going to get it from chapter 1, verses 3 to 12. The second question is, how are believers going to get there? The answer for this question is going to be answered by chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. The third question is, how should believers live today practically concerning that future? And this question is going to be answered by chapter 1, verses 22 to chapter 2, verses 10. The portion of scripture that we have read is quite big, and I want to make it clear that today we are getting an overview of this part. And then my brothers who are going to preach um, after me are going to focus specifically on the passages that are within the overview that we are looking at today. Let's get some context. Peter is writing to believers who are going through suffering. And in chapter 5, verse 12, Peter sums up why he has written this letter. He says, I have written briefly to you, exhorting you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. So stand firm in it. Peter's testimony comes with a call or a command to stand firm in the true grace of God. And so we see that the future that Peter is to talk about requires a response. And that response is the responsibility that believers have today concerning that future. Let's get to our first question. What is this future? What is this future? Well, in chapter 1, verse 3, Peter calls it a living hope. In chapter 1, verse 4, Peter calls it an inheritance that is imperishable, unfading, undefiled, and kept in heaven. In verse 5, Peter calls it a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Family, looking at the nature of this future that God has for his people, we can see for certain that this future cannot be tempered with by the circumstances of life. Its very nature guarantees that nothing that we get to experience in this life can take that future away from us or temper with it. It's unfading. It's imperishable. Its very location guarantees that nothing that we may experience can take it away from us. It's kept in heaven. One thing that life teaches us is that the future we often envision for ourselves in this life is always tempered with. 
you plan something it does not materialize the way you planned i'm sure many of us had many plans for 2020 but look at where we are today but it's not so with this future that god promises his people there is nothing that can happen in this world that tempers with this future. Its very nature guarantees that. And so we can have confidence in this future that God promises his people. This future seems to be valuable. Its very nature implies that it's valuable. And so the question that we then have to answer is, as valuable as this future is, how did this suffering law and undermined people acquire it? Because we live in a society where people have assumptions about the value of things that we can have based on the lives that we live. And so we have to answer the question, how did these people acquire this future? Well, verse 3 says, it is according to God's great mercy. It is so much interesting that we see the theme of mercy appearing at the beginning of our overview. And if you look with me at chapter 2, verse 10, the theme of mercy appears again, which points to the importance of mercy regarding this future. No one worked for it. It is according to God's mercy. We live in a work-hard, materialistic society where people always want to get credit for their achievements. And so if this future is not earned and worked for, it then means the credit goes to the one who has given it. And that makes many people uncomfortable as far as the gospel is concerned. But we have to know that it is according to God's great mercy. And anyone can access this future. That's why Peter begins this section by praising God. He says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ concerning this future. And so, family, such is the praise that should inhabit the mouths of those that have the promise of this future having received it through and according to God's great mercy. And so, family, what is this future? It is a living hope. It is an inheritance that is imperishable, unfading, kept in heaven. It is a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That very nature guarantees that this future is certain and it will happen and so as believers we have to have confidence on this future and so believers have a glorious future to which they are called to set their hope in by living in a god-honoring way in the present the second question that we have to answer is how do believers get to that future how do believers get to that future? And uh, our passage that answers this question starts from verse 13 up to uh, uh, verse 22. How to get to that future 
from the passage we see clearly two commands that stand out that we find in verse 15 and in verse 17. And these are the call to be holy just as God is holy and having the fear of God. The call to be holy and the fear of the Lord. In fact, when Peter uh, quotes these commands, specifically the call to be holy, he is quoting from the book of uh, Leviticus, which alludes to um, uh, the events of the Exodus. But we won't dwell much into that uh, for now. We see uh, that the call to be holy and fear God are what will get the believer to that desired future. But we also need to see what Peter says in verse 13. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right? So as to get to that future, that future being the motivation, believers need to be sober and focused enough concerning the future that God has promised. And that looks like being holy in our conduct and having the fear of God in everything that we do. Some commands that Peter is going to give uh, later on as we go into the book are very hard commands to carry out. And if we don't have an understanding of that, we need to focus and set our minds on what God has promised. We might fail to carry out these commands. As a matter of fact, you will find a command like, um, servants, be subject to your masters, not only those that treat you just, but also those that treat you unjust, showing them respect. We live in a society where it's so much easy to give respect to someone who respects you back. But, for example, this command calls that we respect even those that disrespect us. And so these commands that we have received to be holy and fear God are the foundation of carrying that command. We don't respect people because they deserve it. It is primarily because we fear God. And that's the foundation why we carry the commands that God gives us. And so we see that the motivation to then be holy and fear God come from setting our minds to focus on this future that God has promised. But it also comes from reflecting to what God has already done through the cross, having rescued us from the kingdom of darkness by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Family, we have a responsibility. I talked about how much when I have a, an assignment that is due in a near date, how much I set my mind 
to prepare for it. We as believers also have to set our minds concerning this future that God has promised. And as we set our minds, we live holy and fear God. Believers have a glorious future to which they are called to set their hope in by living in a way that honors God in the present. We are going to answer the third question now. How should believers live today concerning that future? We are going to get into the practical way of living in light of that future today. Um, in this section that starts from verse 22 to chapter 2, verse, um, verse 3, Peter introduces us to the word. Family, these believers have been born again into this glorious future according to God's mercy. But the practical way in which that has happened is through the ministry of the word. The word that is the good news that was preached to these believers according to verse 25. And these believers responded in obedience according to verse 22. Interesting to note is that the nature of this word seems to be the same nature of the future that God has promised. God, uh, Peter says, the future that God promises is a living hope. In verse 23, he says that the word is living and abiding. The future that God promises, according to verse 4, is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven. In verse 25, we see that the word is the same nature. It remains forever. It survived the test of time. And it is so much interesting that Peter contrasts it with man's glory, which is like the flower of the grass and men being likened to grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of God remains forever. Such is the nature of the word of God. And I stand here uh, feeling privileged to be even uh, preaching on this word that has uh, eternal and permanent consequences. The word of God is not something that is here today and gone tomorrow. And so this is important, especially to Peter's believers. They might be tempted as they look around to see the glory of the empire and the glory of the people that do not believe. They might be tempted to go for that. But the gospel entails suffering now for future glory as opposed to living in glory now for eternal condemnation. And so, family, we have to live in light of this word. This word which brings brotherly love and hence the command to love each other earnestly, according to verse 22. You see, 
um, there is a seed that is planted in the lives of the believer through the living and abiding word. That seed grows into a plant and that plant is a distinctive flower. And so the flower that should be seen in the seed that is planted in the life of a believer is the flower of love. What does that love entail? Peter tells us that that love entails, in chapter 2 verse 1, that love entails putting away malice. That love entails putting away deceit. That love entails putting away hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Things that often affect the relationships that we have with other believers. And so we see how this word produces uh, uh, love. And hence also the command to feed on it just as uh, new infants long for milk, we should also long for the pure spiritual milk, which is the word of God. And so how are we to love? How are we to live in the present in light of that future that God has promised? We have to feed on the word. And when we feed on the word, uh, we get to love our dear brothers and sisters dearly um, as we walk this journey of faith headed towards the promise that God has for his people. When we uh, get to the next section as we pick up from chapter 2 verses 4 is to 10, Peter introduces us to Old Testament concepts. He says believers are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, priests would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people for their sins. And here we see that believers are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. And we see this pattern repeating itself in verse 9, in which God says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. We see family that we have a responsibility with this identity that we've been given of being a holy priesthood. And that is to make sure we proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us by proclaiming the gospel. It is not enough for a believer to be content with being chosen and being added to this glorious future without thinking about the family member who might not be saved, a brother who might not be saved, a sister who might not be saved. And so we have the responsibility to preach the gospel. We have the responsibility to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us. And we do this in light of knowing that 
there is a future that God has promised. But also there is a judgment that is to come. Especially to those who have not placed their hope on Jesus Christ, who is the cornerstone for this glorious future that God has for his people. And so we have a responsibility to share the gospel. We have a responsibility to share the gospel in light of this glorious future that we have and also knowing that those who do not obey or do not know God stand to face God's judgment. And so, family, in the present, we are practically to feed on God's word. And as we do that, we make sure that during the process, we are able to proclaim the excellencies of the one who has called us so that many may come to the salvation and have the same promise of the future that we have. Indeed, believers have a glorious future to which they are called to set their hope in by living in a God-honoring way in the present. Let's have a recap of the questions that we have looked at. What is this future that believers have? It is a living hope, an inheritance that is imperishable, unfading, undefiled, kept in heaven. It is a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. How are believers going to get there? Believers are going to get there by focusing and setting their minds on that future. And that looks like being holy and having the fear of God. And also reflecting on what God has already done through Christ saving us from the kingdom of darkness. How should believers live today concerning that future? Believers have to feed on the word of God. As they feed on the word of God, they own to the responsibility of proclaiming the excellencies of God, preaching the good news of the gospel to everyone. I had a conversation a few weeks back with a, a brother of mine that I went to high school with. He is not a believer, so he had posted something that is very disturbing on Facebook. And I thought, let me have a conversation with him. We chatted, and one of the questions that he presented to me, he said, if there is a God as you claim, why is it that Christians are suffering? If I were to answer him based on what we have covered so far in the first book of Peter, I would say believers are not warm. They are living on earth as exiles. As they are living on earth as exiles, they have a responsibility to live in a God-honoring way in the present. That's why even in the midst of suffering, believers have made a resolve to remain hopeful towards that future 
the future that we are guaranteed is going to happen because God has promised it through his word, his word that has eternal consequences, his word that remains forever. Let us pray, brothers and sisters, this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the glorious future that you've called us to. We thank you that we did not work for it. We did not earn it, but it is according to your mercy. We thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, that in light of that future, you've given us a responsibility today to focus on that future by setting our minds on it. More so, practically, we have the responsibility to feed on your word. Your word, Father Lord, that you say remains forever. As we own to that responsibility, Lord God Almighty, you commission us to preach the good news of the gospel. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we be faithful, Father Lord, towards that future by living in a God-honoring way in the present. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have been blessed by listening to it. For more resources, you can text us on WhatsApp on 081-833-7458. You can also visit our website at www.christchurchhilbro.co.za or you can visit our YouTube channel called Christchurch Hillbro. You can also check out our Facebook page also called Christchurch Hillbro.